0: Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Pilati. You might hear some familiar echo (laughs) because I am back at my parents' house in Maryland recording this. I was thinking back as I was sitting here, like setting up to all of the pandemic podcasts that I recorded in this room, talking about like stories from a better time almost while we were stuck in our houses. And it's just so crazy being back here. Now that I'm a free woman and can do as I please again. Um, But yeah, so a little bit of echo. We're going to be fine. It's going to be great because I have a great story for you guys today. And it's one of those stories that kind of stems from my fascination with stories, if that makes sense. It definitely doesn't. But basically, I came up with this story to share because I was thinking long and hard about why us humans you know us people walking the earth are so obsessed and motivated by stories by things that you know are happening to other people and this came to me this like you know idea of looking into stories in general came to me when i was coming out of a long tiktok bender okay which honestly happens a lot more frequently than I ever thought for myself, I thought TikTok was one of those apps that I would just never get into, but turns out you get sucked in and you can't get out. (laughs) It's like very addicting, which I've, you know, it's definitely a concept that's been beaten to death. Like the, the idea that TikTok is addicting is not news to anyone. I mean, there are still a few people that I've met that are like, oh, I don't have a TikTok. And I'm like, really? Are you just saying that? It's almost like when kids in school would be like, oh, I didn't study for that test and get an A, but everyone knew that they secretly, definitely studied. Like, I don't know. It's one of those things where you kind of have to have a TikTok now to be relevant in your field. If you are in the field of social media, advertising, marketing, you need to know TikTok if you're in that realm, or you're going to be behind because, you know, all the new trends, like things that are really. Motivating people to spend money these days, a lot of it comes from people just messing around on TikTok. Like, it's just, it like blows my mind how TikTok trends become something that like needs to be known by professionals. You know, it's like people need to get on the TikTok train or they're going to be left behind. Like I've seen that a lot recently, but it's so interesting. And I think, okay, the reason why, let me get back to what I was saying about stories. The reason why people are so obsessed with TikTok, I think is because first of all, the convenience of like, you just literally swipe your finger and if you don't like a channel, like, so to speak, or you don't like a video, you just go boop and it's gone. And it's, it's very reminiscent of when you're just, you know, watching TV and you're just like laying there, you don't know what you're doing. So you're just like flipping the channels. It's very much like that. But it's just, it seems like there's more, there's there's endless options. Okay. Like you could sit there all day and keep scrolling and you never get to the bottom. That's the thing. Like you're not gonna run out. When you're on TV or watching TV rather, and you're scrolling through the channels, like you're gonna run out eventually and get to the end. With TikTok, it's a never-ending just real of all different sorts of content and you don't know what's gonna come next. Like it's the surprise factor of not knowing what you're going to encounter. But I think the biggest part of it is the storytelling. Like, isn't every TikTok kind of the equivalent of a bite-sized story? And back to the convenience, like you can consume like 100 million different stories that are like 15 seconds long, 30 seconds long, maybe three minutes in the longest case or whatever from different corners of the world, people that are totally different than you. Like it gives you a taste of what it would be like to be a different person, whether for better or for worse, you know? And you consume all of these different stories in mere minutes. And it's just crazy. Like, I mean, what about stories do we love so much? Like, is it the the fact that it momentarily distracts you from your own story, shows you what could be if you maybe work out a little bit more, if you eat a little bit better, if you find the love of your life, like it kind of puts you in a position to imagine what your life could be. Or does it sometimes make us feel better about our own story, like our current life, like seeing someone else struggle or, you know, it's so interesting. Like, what is it about stories? that we love. I think for me, I love stories because of the, the unpredictability kind of, I think that's not the right word, but like not knowing how it's going to end. Like I love being able to guess an ending or like, you know, hypothesize in my head. Like that's the most fun part of reading for me, like trying to figure out when the plot twist is going to happen and figure out who did it like in a murder mystery. Like I love NCIS and like, crime shows, because I love like that element. And like, there's no better high than predicting the ending to something and being right. So that is why I love stories. And, you know, all this talk about stories and all this thinking about stories led me down an interesting rabbit hole that I don't feel many of you guys are going to see coming. So for some reason, all this time I've spent on TikTok has really got me thinking about advertising A lot. And specifically, like it takes me back to my advertising class in college because I don't know what it is, but thinking about like legitimate advertisers that have been in the industry for like 20 years, having to wrap their minds around TikTok and like how to use their advertising dollars not in print or in TV, because print and TV were obviously huge ways to advertise for very many years. And now they're kind of falling off and social media is becoming king. And like, what's next? Like do billboards even do anything either? Like there's just all sorts of talk, I'm sure, with these older like execs and their younger, like more hip counterparts. Like I feel I feel like I would love to be a fly on the wall in an advertiser's meeting these days when they're trying to market something and have to like bring in the Gen Z new hires to be like, what do you guys think about this? Like, I just think it'd be so funny to see that. But anyway, so TikTok's been making me think a lot about advertising and advertising has made me think a lot about my class in college that I took. And that made me think about this one story from history. Yep. You guys thought. I was done with the history stories for a bit. No, I'm back. I have a good old advertising success story, which honestly I loved when I was in that class. We, as a class, a lot of us like researched, I think it was one of our assignments. We had to research a specific advertising success or failure or something and like detail it and talk about like different key elements of the campaign and whatever. And honestly, it was a really great assignment. And I, just now, today, I wish that when I was in college, TikTok was a thing because I feel like that's definitely a huge subject matter in today's advertising classes, like college students now, maybe four four or five years ago. I guess when when was I in college, four or five years ago, I think it wasn't so big. Like I don't even know when TikTok started, to be honest. I only downloaded the app, I think, like two years ago, maybe max, maybe less than that. But anyway, so I have a story for you guys today. And it was actually my project in this class. And so I know it pretty well because I did hours upon hours of research back then. I found my old paper, I unearthed it from the archives. And I'm going to tell you guys a story today an advertising related story from history that I want us, while I'm telling it, to think about the fact that this campaign that I'm going to share was like the advertising success of the 90s and it was done completely without social media, like no social media campaigns involved, no posting from celebrities, nothing like that. It was purely print and TV. So things were super different back then. I think it's important to revisit these things as we get kind of like sucked into the TikTok universe and how ads are done now with influencers and stuff like that. Like we need to remember how things used to be because I think It gives you a lot of food for thought of like what is truly important to human beings, like the psychology of it all. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. To your happy place For a happy price Go to your happy price price Priceline Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating All the Must not take yourself too seriously And 6-1 since that matters And What do I even say other than Hey (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble With exciting features to make compatibility easier Starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay, so let's just get into it. Let me just unravel this tale. So the goal of this advertising campaign in the 90s was simple. Create good advertising for milk in California. Not for a specific brand of milk. It wasn't funded by a specific dairy farm even. It was just for drinking milk in general, which I find to be so interesting because I guess if you think about it, like what brand of milk do you buy? Like people often say like, oh, I get 2% or I get fat free or I get this or I get the one with the red cap. Like no one really knows like brands of milk. I feel it's not like a very generally like known thing. Some people don't even drink milk. like They drink the oat milk and the almond milk and like whatever. But in California in the 90s, there was funding set aside for just bringing awareness to milk, like making milk cool. Because at the time, milk sales were declining. They were going down like 4% a year. And people were panicking because milk, obviously, as many of us know, is really good for you. It's good for strong bones, good for kids, you know. But at the time, milk was just declining in popularity as these fun and flashy new flavors of Gatorade and sugary sodas were hitting the shelves and being endorsed by sports teams dumped over the heads of NFL players and like celebrities were carrying all this flashy stuff around. And they were just losing their popularity. They were hitting the back burner. People forgot about milk. Okay. So the milk processing board in California had, they had tried in the eighties even to promote milk in an interesting way. They were preaching to consumers. They were saying milk does a body good. They had this ad campaign that was focused on calcium and protein benefits of milk, but it wasn't, it wasn't sexy, okay? They were going at it all wrong. The thing is, I think many of us now, consumers at the time definitely knew that milk was good for them, but they just didn't care. It's like knowing that salad is good for you, but you go out to dinner and everyone at the table is getting chicken wings. Like, are you going to get a salad? If you see everyone else with their delicious, like, sauced up wings and, like, you really want wings, are you going to get a salad? Probably not. So this campaign was kind of a flop. It just, like, did nothing, basically. Milk sales were continuing to drop every single year so the california milk board decided they needed to take drastic measures they decided to hire an ad agency to help them and honestly thinking about this i'm laughing so hard internally because like if i was presented with a rebrand like a brand came to me it was like we need to rebrand but it was like milk like a concept that broad like I can imagine people got a good laugh out of this concept, like sitting around a conference table, brainstorming a way to make milk like this staple household item that no one thinks about sexy, but they did. So the year was 1993 and a focus group headed by this man named John Steele, who was a partner at a San Francisco based advertising firm called Goodby Silverstein and Partners, asked his focus group not to consume milk. So No milk for a week prior to participating in the study, to which they were probably like, okay, I'm getting paid to not drink milk. Easy, got it, done. So John Steele, that focus group lead, was grasping for straws here because like I said, this California milk board came to his ad agency and was like, we need help. So he was trying to figure out a unique pitch to give to this client. He was trying to gather some info to strengthen his pitch about how exactly they would make milk cool again. So they would give him the project basically. So he invited this focus group, told him not to drink milk for a week prior and just kind of saw what happened. So the focus group showed up after a week without milk, a seemingly non-essential household staple, and they had a lot to say. So according to an article by Fast Company, which I'll have linked, one man relayed his experience of coming downstairs to the kitchen in the morning before work, pouring out a cereal, slicing bananas to put on top of it, and then remembered it all came crashing down his promise of abstinence. (laughs) That is what the article said abstinence from milk obviously so he later admitted he was thinking in his head he was like you know would i use milk and just lie to the rest of the group and say i didn't use it or would i throw away the cereal because like who eats cereal without milk or worse yet would he eat the cereal without milk and just do it so he realized this man and like the entire focus group realized in this moment that they really took milk for granted it's like you don't think about it until you don't have it. So none of the focus group participants realized how catastrophic it was to not have milk. They'd never realized how essential this extremely normal, not so sexy household product was. And as John Steele listened to his focus group document their horrifying days without milk, he realized he might be onto something huge here. So John replayed the results of the focus group study to his partners at the ad firm, Jeff Goodby and Rich Silverstein, and they were equally as amazed and decided to hold a larger meeting to discuss all things milk. When asked by his colleague, Tara Winkler, what he'd like to call that part of the milk meeting, the one where they talked about the focus group findings, Jeff Goodby said this, I don't know, it's about running out of milk. Why don't we call it Got Milk? With a question mark. So he said this to his colleague, not thinking it would become an iconic tagline. At first, it was just the name of a meeting or part of a meeting about milk. So Tara scribbled those words, question mark included, on a piece of foam board that was hung up on the wall in the office. So he was staring at it during the meeting, Jeff Goodby, and he imagined as he was just staring at this foam board, got milk, got milk. He was imagining early ideas for commercials that just ended with the simple, memorable, got milk tagline. Each of his ideas focused on scenarios where a person would be going about his or her life and then realize, "Uh uh-oh, I'm out of milk, and consumers would be able to feel the person without milk's anxiety through the ad, therefore showing what a world without milk would look like. You know, hyping up a simple product that was often just overshadowed by the Gatorades and sodas of the world. Here's the reason why this campaign style was huge. So most ad campaigns of the time focus, and and still now focus on hyping up a product or service. Like all the energy is put into making this product or service seem so cool, so, you know, attractive. the consumer, like showing you how happy, attractive, and fun you could be if you have this product or service, right? But this campaign, the concept of the Got Milk campaign kind of focused on a different sort of energy. It focused on showing how sad, frantic, anxious, disappointed you would be if you don't have the product, which in this case was milk. So people you know, human, human tendencies, they generally fear this feeling of feeling sad, frantic, anxious, like all those feelings, disappointed, like people just generally don't want to be disappointed, right? They'd rather go about their lives and have everything they need and be comfortable and happy, right? So people will do anything to not feel sad, frantic, anxious. And so they would stock up on milk. So they called it a deprivation strategy. Got Milk almost wasn't even the tagline for this campaign, though. Like I said, remember, it was kind of like just like part of a meeting, like a meeting title. But people at the advertising firm thought when they actually pitched it as the real tagline, they thought it was lazy. They thought it was grammatically incorrect and just like could not be the iconic tagline that it ended up being but they decided to just go with it eventually. And they even tried a variation of the focus group in their ad agency office to further prove to the milk board that this was a legitimate like concern of people's and that milk actually was this really important thing that people didn't realize that they Couldn't go without, right? So a few of the employees basically emptied the cartons of milk from the firm's refrigerator. Like in the ad agency, they decided to test this out. They emptied all the cartons of milk from the refrigerator and installed a hidden camera in the back of it to capture people's responses and like their reaction to finding out that there is no milk to pour into their morning coffee. And I don't know about you guys, but if my morning coffee is off in some way, often I'll get it from a local coffee shop in New York, but when it's off, like my whole day is off. The morning coffee is like, it's a very important concept. So naturally the employees fumbled around in the kitchen, like was like desperately looking for milk and frustration, which provided Goodby, Silverstein and Steel with concrete evidence, like video evidence to present the California milk processor board. And from there, they decided to go with the deprivation strategy. How do we motivate people into wanting to buy milk? Well, show them what it's like not to have milk because clearly people panic. (laughs) So from there, the Got Milk campaign made milk a brand, not just a commodity, because in the ad scenarios that they came up with, nothing else except milk works to solve a problem. Jeff Manning, the head of the milk processor board, and therefore the client of the ad agency, agreed. He said, soda doesn't work, Gatorade doesn't work, water doesn't work. The only thing that works in a bowl of Cheerios is milk. So the first commercial, Got Milk, was released in 1993, and America watched on as a legendary ad campaign was born. The commercial opens inside a dusty, antique-filled warehouse, kind of like a weird sort of home. For a person. And this nerdy looking, glasses wearing historian is brought into frame and he's putting layer after layer of peanut butter on slices of white bread, making a sandwich just as the radio that is playing nearby announces a contest. So he's shoving this sandwich into his mouth as the host is saying, And now let's make that random call with today's $10,000 question. It's a rough one Who shot Alexander Hamilton in that famous duel? So the camera then pans around the warehouse, which we realize is basically a shrine to Alexander Hamilton. Like this guy that just shoved the sandwich into his mouth is a huge Hamilton fan and likely knows everything there is to know about the guy. So his ears are perking up. He answers correctly. He says, Aaron Burr, but the host can't understand what he said because his mouth is full and coated with sticky peanut butter. So he yells again, Aaron Burr. But when he reaches for this carton of milk to clear his mouth out and make sure he can, you know, wash down the sandwich and give the correct answer, he realizes it's empty. So he ends up losing the $10,000 contest because he was out of milk. And then the ad closes with the Got Milk tagline in that iconic font that everyone knows. And, you know, it just further drives home the point. It's funny, it's weird, it's relatable. It's the perfect first ad, but it also just shows that deprivation strategy. What happens when you are deprived of this thing that you thought you would always have around? Like you need milk in your life because what if you get into this situation where you need to wash down a sandwich or you're not going to win $10,000? You know, it's, it's interesting. So the, the commercials that followed this one were equally as weird yet funny, kind of dark. They all this like strange, curious mood to them where a predicament unfolds and the solution that isn't even really shown because it's usually like an empty cartons. It's like showing what the solution could have been, but wasn't because you're out of milk. It comes right at the end of each ad. And this had never really been done before. And now it's kind of the norm to show the product in its entirety right at the end. Like leave, keep people hanging, leave them wondering what the end of the story is really hook in those viewers and make them wonder what the solution to this problem could possibly be, you know, or what could this ad even be for? Like, it doesn't seem like an ad. Right. So that's kind of the style now. But it wasn't really happening in earlier times before 93 when this came out. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So after a few more ads, so like putting out ads left and right, this brings us to 1995. So 26 years ago, because I was born in 95, so I can tell you that. So this campaign, it was doing well. As of 1995, but things were about to heat up in a huge way. The Milk Processor Education Program, which was a national organization that promoted milk. So, to remind you, the previous funding came from a California based company. So, you know, it was really primarily happening in California, which I guess a lot of trends are born in California, but it wasn't like nationally funded. Now, the Milk Processor Education Program, which is a national organization that promoted milk, they decided to license the Got Milk tagline from that California ad agency. So the National Milk Education Program hoped to make milk education sexy somehow. Not just drinking milk, talking about milk, but make the education Aspect of it, like get people educated on why milk is important. And they admired how Got Milk got people talking about milk again. So they took things a step further, fueled with a bit of star power. They came up with the milk mustache idea, which you guys have probably seen the ads with like the celebrity with the milk mustache. And they wrangled all these different stars to appear in the print ads, which probably comes to mind, honestly. Like when you think about the Got Milk campaign, like for me i think of miley cyrus with a milk mustache taylor swift beyonce like all those people celebrities of all of all kinds athletes like serena and venus like there was no shortage of celebrities at this time that were willing to participate in the campaign. It became kind of like one of those things when you got to a certain level of stardom, you would have your own Got Milk campaign. Like it became synonymous with with kind of like a Hollywood star almost, you know? So many celebrities participated in the Milk Mustache campaign, but there was one kicker. In order to appear in one of these ads, you had to drink milk. Like you had to be a milk drinker. You couldn't be lactose intolerant. I believe at one point they did release like a lactose-free milk or something. But in the beginning, when this first started, like you had to be like, I drink milk. I am a celebrity that drinks milk and everyone believes that I drink milk. Today, this is so, I mean, I only say this because today this would be so different and interesting because i feel like so many people are so against dairy milk these days like people have this thing against dairy milk i guess it does upset a lot of people's stomachs and that makes sense but i feel like people are like oh oat milk is healthier and like there's all these like different milks now like different options that i feel like never existed when we were kids like i don't think that they did to be honest with you maybe they did but they just weren't popular but Anyway, so during the two decades that Got Milk dominated the public consciousness, more than 70 Got Milk commercials ran on TV in California alone, and some 350 milk mustache ads ran nationally in print and on TV, all for milk, okay? Not a brand, but was become, you know, became a brand, a seemingly normal household product had all of these ads, all of this money pumped into it. They made milk a brand, this ad agency, you know, and it just so crazy to me how things like just a random thought in a board meeting can become something that everybody and their mother recognizes. But did this campaign really make people drink more milk? Or was it just recognizable? Which this gets me all the time. Like you can run a really successful campaign in whatever industry you're in. Like get a really popular influencer to post something and pay them a lot of money, and your efforts could still not produce the effects that you're looking for. Like obviously you have to consider what your objective for a campaign is. Like this was bringing awareness. Like I I believe if you had to chalk it up to like, what was their objective? Their objective was probably bringing awareness to milk or reframing public opinion about milk. But in truth, like did the campaign Actually, make more people drink milk, like in terms of numbers. So, statistical data found by Fast Company in that article I talked about indicates that the milk mustache campaign did not influence long term behavior. So, according to a report by CoBank, over a 30 year period, so from 1970 to 2010, which was like the biggest years of this campaign, we're towards the latter half of that. Obviously, milk consumption has declined nationally. So between the seventies and 2010, so I can't even imagine what it's at now. The study that I referenced was from then, but like I can imagine it's even lower now because of oat milk and almond milk and all that, but like dairy milk. Okay. At this time, between 1970, and 2010, consumption declined nationally from 28.6 gallons to 20.9 gallons. So and it's just going down even further. Like, you know, even in California, where the dairy industry is a multi-billion dollar business, milk sales are dwindling. So in 2014, got milk was retired and replaced by milk life, which truthfully I haven't seen a single ad for milk life. Like got milk will always remind me of my childhood. It's a very known thing. Like there's been so many spin-offs of it. People have used that got blank question mark. Like, in so many different things like to parody it. Like I saw like got Kith was happening at one point. Like there's so many different got blanks happening because of got milk, because of that one meeting that these guys had where they're like, let's just call this part of the meeting got milk. And then it became a whole thing. Like it'll always remind me of my childhood because like the nineties, like that's when I was growing up, obviously I was like very young and I still Remember, I mean, it was until 2014, they were using the taglines. I remember like flipping through 17 and coming across a Got Milk ad with one of my favorite celebrities. And I can't recall if it ever made me crave a glass of milk, but I definitely at the time thought that Got Milk was sponsored by like a specific milk brand. So like it's news to me, like in recent years, when I first did research on this, it's been news to me that- like this is just milk in general, like California's milk board, which I didn't even think there was like a milk board, which I guess makes sense if you think about like, it actually maybe doesn't, maybe it doesn't make sense, but there is a literal board of people that advise on milk, okay? And milk advertising and they have money, they have like a budget. And I wonder if like our tax dollars go into like a milk board for each state. Like this is something I never thought about, but anyway, the milk board, literally paid an advertising agency to make milk sexy, to make milk cool, which is just so interesting. This like very common household object. Like I'm trying to think of another thing that like I always, I use a lot of, and I just don't think about like, I don't know, like a toilet brush or something like make toilet brushes. Cool. I don't know. I guess you can do anything and make anything happen. If you have enough money (laughs) that just goes to show if you have money, you can do literally whatever you want. (laughs) doesn't mean it's going to be successful, but you can at least do it, right? Anyway, so it's just interesting to me how milk, like everyone on the internet hates milk. People talk shit about milk all the time. And like I've seen tweets where it's like, imagine falling in love with someone and then realizing or finding out that they drink a glass of milk every day or like I think in TV and movies, like pop culture, the weird person is always depicted as drinking a glass of milk. Like, I guess I can't, okay, to be honest with you, I can't remember the last time I just like had a glass of milk and I wasn't dipping a cookie into it, right? Like, I feel like unless you're dipping a cookie into milk, like why are you drinking a full glass of milk? Like I used to drink it with like when I was a kid and my mom wanted my bones to be strong and whatever the heck, calcium, all that stuff. But you know, like I said, we know milk is good for us, but I feel like today it's like people have this vendetta against milk because everyone is like, I mean, I've heard a million times over my friends telling me like, did did you know like every person is a little bit lactose intolerant and I'm like, "Really? Is that a thing?" <laughs> I'm like, "I don't know." I mean, I like milk in my coffee, but I guess it's I always get like skim milk. Is skim milk? Okay, non-fat. Skim milk is non-fat milk. I always forget that. So I get like a non-fat milk latte or something. So I'm still appreciating milk. When I was growing up, I'd always have 2% milk. So I'm not drinking like whole milk by any means because I think that would mess up my stomach. But I just like people are so against it. And it's like, it's in a lot of things. Like you're putting milk in a lot of foods that you're making. So you can't really be that against milk. It's just interesting how like the oat milks of the world are having a moment. So it's just weird. People are obsessed with milk, I guess even if they're not obsessed with it. But anywho, just a little story from history, a little advertising story. I'm trying to think about how this campaign would be going now. Like, I feel like people would just sit on TikTok and like drink a glass of milk and leave the milk mustache on. And that would be it. Like hashtag ad. That would be, that would be it. It'd be a lot cheaper. You would not have to like have the whole photo shoot with Annie Leibovitz and like have the celebrity like, what did they, you know, okay, I should have looked this up. Like, what did they use to make that milk mustache? Cause it clearly wasn't milk. It was always a little bit too white, right? A little too thick, like didn't look like it was just like an accidental milk mustache. Like it always looked very intentional, but I think that's kind of part of it. Like it was a whole photo shoot, like a very intentional over the top display for something so normal. Like, I think that was the, the whole, the whole thing was like to blow this up, And people almost like supported the Got Milk movement because they thought it was so funny and weird. Like, why are you giving milk this moment? Like, I don't think people realize, like, I didn't realize before I researched this for this project that like milk was in decline. Like, I'm like, really? So people really hate milk that much? Like, I feel like it's so such a staple for so many people. Like, still, I don't feel like it's gotten less cool. But I guess as, you know, time goes on and more and more drinks are hitting the shelves, Like. By saying yes to a Gatorade, you are kind of saying no to other things like milk is you're saying no to that, I guess, because you can only drink so many liquids in a day, but just an interesting concept, guys. So that was my story for this week. Hope you enjoyed my random advertising story. I do love like advertising and like just stories from like that realm of things, communications related stories. So maybe I'll share more. Let me know what you guys think of this one over on Instagram. I'll be listening, I'll be reading my DMs, and I will talk to you guys all next week. Bye.